Hog Rider. <laughs> Welcome to Cast Royale, the Clash Royale podcast for casual players. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And this week we're going to be talking about some changes that hit the game, as well as some starter info about card types, chests, and towers. Nice. Uh, dude, before we even get into that, what did you do this week? This week? You know who's coming this week? Who's coming this week? The Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny. Easter Bunny is coming to the house, you know, leaving some baskets, some eggs, some colorful eggs. Yo, did you did you color eggs? We did dye some eggs for Easter. Nice, yeah. Us did too. you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We um I made some eggs with uh I I used a um a white crayon and I kind of put like dots around it so when you dyed it it came out like a spotted dinosaur egg. Oh, that's so yeah, cool. No, it was good. Very nice. Yeah. So what else did I do this week? Went out to dinner with uh, my fiance and I. We grabbed some sushi. It's nice. a nice sushi place. Well, she actually got sushi. I got hibachi. You got hibachi. Hibachi was pretty good. Did you get the rice with the hibachi? Of course. I got the rice, the fried noodles, hibachi steak. No, I only ask because sometimes, sometimes when, I mean, I don't know. When I go to a hibachi restaurant, most of the time I get lo mein. Um, not necessarily always fried rice. So I'm just, I don't know which one you got. Dude. Did you, you get fried rice or did you get lo mein? Dude, I got the hibachi deluxe. It was all inclusive. I got the fried noodle hibachi lo mein. Mm-hmm. I got the fried noodles. You name it, it was on my plate. Nice. nice. All right. And you, uh, I'm assuming you played a little Clash Royale t- this I, week? I did get to play a little bit of Clash Royale, which was nice. You know, in the beginning of the week, I didn't really uh, play as much as I necessarily wanted to. I guess work, you know, life kind of gets in the way. Right. But, uh, you know, closer towards the weekend and a little bit over the weekend, I was actually able to climb up a little bit from 1500 to uh, somewhere around 1750-ish, something like that. Nice. How about yourself, sir? What did you wind up doing this week? For the week? For the week. Um, well, Monday through Friday worked. Uh, I was very busy. Um, and then Friday, my girlfriend and I went out to dinner with uh, a couple of friends of ours and we got Mexican food. Mexican. Yeah. Not um, quite hibachi. No, not at all. And it was, um, dude, it was like probably one of the best Mexican places I think I've ever been to. Um, uh, I got, I got like these little. They they weren't necessarily called tacos, but they looked exactly like a taco. I don't remember the the Spanish name that they had on the menu, but when you read it, you were like, "Yes, I'm getting this." So I got it, and it was like this shredded pork with um, like a like a uh, it was like a sour orange sauce. I don't know, with um, pickled, what was it? Uh, I want to say it was like a pickled radish. So like these little purple chunks were on top of the taco. I, again, not a taco, but dude, amazing. Everything before pickled radish you don't like sounded that? You don't like delicious. That? <laughs> but when you got to pickled radish, I kind of just closed my eyes and cringed a little bit. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it was um, it was amazing. Um, we had a really good time, and then um, what did I do? Uh, played a little Clash Royale, obviously. Um, uh, it's nice that we got some more people in the clan, so we can talk um, and trade some more cards. That's right. Um, and I actually made a good climb. Uh, I went. What did I say last week? I was around like a little over a thousand, right? You were. Um, you were. A thousand seventy. Yes, you're right. Ten seventy. Uh, so I, I right now I think I'm sitting um, around fifteen hundred. Very nice. Yeah, I don't really. Um, I guess someone's on my side recently, so I'll take it. Um, and we'll get into kind of some of the strategies that we've been using all week. Um, but I did. I did follow some advice from a fellow clanmate, uh, and I think it really, it really made a huge improvement in the way that I play, um, and the types of cards that I use. So Pretty cool. So yeah. we can get in, into that a little bit later. So I think um, before we get into the nitty gritty of the the content that we have for the actual uh, show today, first we'd like to say welcome to the show. Um, this is our first official episode. Um, 
First official uh, episode. Yeah, we made it. Um, and I think what Joe and I wanted to do uh, real quick was just thank everybody that has subscribed to our podcast um, and who have been listening. The feedback that we've been getting from everyone has been amazing. Um, we've received uh, a handful of positive reviews on iTunes. Um, all of them have been five stars, which is uh, amazing considering the technical difficulties that we've been having this week. So um, for the people that have uh, maybe been following along, um, you may have noticed that our episode was uh, unavailable for a little while. Uh, there's still some hiccups that we've been dealing with um, this week. Uh, so hopefully we've uh, found a way to get past that. Um, but we wanted to mainly say the whole point of this is to say thank you for everyone that has been listening. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Um, your five-star reviews are what help us reach more people. So thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest thing for us is the fact that when we first started this literally last week, we weren't really sure what to expect, right? Right, yep. We were new to the podcasting world. We didn't really know if we were going to be any good at it or how people would kind of take to us. But as Rob, you alluded to, we've been getting an immense amount of positive feedback over the past week, which was kind of overwhelming at first. I'd say it kind of put a little bit more pressure on us for this episode. Would you agree? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, um, doing the first episode was fine. Doing the second episode, a little nerve wracking. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, but yep. I think it, it's been a really cool experience so far. And, um, you know, the positive feedback really is just greatly appreciated. So thank you so much for 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 one listening and two subscribing i think we've gotten what was it rob as of two days ago we had about a hundred or we just broke a hundred subscribers S subscribers yeah no uh we we just broke 100 subscribers um i i think the exact number might be closer to like 107 but um yeah we officially broke 100 subscribers i mean me and you are definitely subscribers so we can't really count ourselves right totally that's double counting i'm totally subscribed yeah you gotta um so uh, and I think we also uh, made it to um, sit number. I think rank like seventy five on the top charts for games and hobbies, right? Yeah. So if you go into iTunes and you go into games and hobbies under podcasts, it gives you like the option to go into like top charts or whatever. Mm. And we at one point we made it to seventy five. It does fluctuate a lot. Not that it, not that it really is a. Uh, a metric that we're gauging ourselves on, but it was really cool to see that, that we were there, you know, after our first episode. Oh dude, it was definitely a good feeling. Yeah. So, um, we, I guess the, the whole, the main point of that whole spiel is thank you. Thank you. So thank much. you. Thank you. Yes. Um, and, uh, rolling into the next thing, I think, um, maybe, uh, Joe, you said you had something you wanted to talk about in terms of, uh, Clash Royale news. I did. Yeah. Some, some pretty, I, I wouldn't say huge news, but some pretty cool news. So, okay, um, lay it on us. So, over this past week, some uh, news came out that there was going to be a Clash Royale tournament that was going to be held in Finland on April sixteenth. Pretty far away, but the way that it kind of, the way that they kind of laid this out is that you know it's just supposed to be a laid back, fun night with food, drinks. You don't really need a specific trophy count or an experience level or anything in order to be eligible to play. Right. Um, and also, you know, this isn't the first Clash Royale tournament, uh, but the cool thing about it is I believe it's the first event that is sponsored or hosted by Supercell. Right, because I, I definitely remember, and I, I don't remember specifically when it was, but there have been tournaments before. So you're saying this one specifically is officially sanctioned by Supercell. That's correct. Okay. Now, the only limitation on this, well, I guess there's two. The first limitation is that you have to be 18 years or older to, to go, mm -hmm. and you have to physically be in Finland. So, so we're I'm, not going. I am automatically <laughs> so, counting myself out of this. So we're not going. Yeah. Okay. And that probably counts almost all of our listeners out. But I would imagine so. But there is, there is a way that they can actually sign up if they do have the time and the money to go to Finland. That's correct. How do they do that? Yeah, so if anybody wants to join, all they would have to do is send an email to clashroyale at clashofclans.fi. Um, as you can imagine, Clash of Clans, Clash Royale, pretty similar. So 
I guess Clash of Clans is really hosting the event through Supercell. Yeah, it's interesting that um, Clash of Clans is the extension of the email address. Yeah, I guess they haven't really updated that yet. But if you shoot them an email, just be sure to write your in-game name as well as the clan that you're in, if you're in one. And you can sign up any friends or any members of the clan that you'd like. So uh, be sure to do that. We will include the email address in our show notes in case you don't remember and you want to click on it. So all of our clan members send some emails and represent Cast Royale in this event, right? If you can go to Finland, sure. Yeah, forget everything I just said. No one's going. <laughs> um, so uh, was, there, was there anything else about that? That was, that was pretty much it, right? That was my big news. Nah, that was definitely big news. Um, and we also had one more big news item that happened this week, right? Yes, there was. On uh, Wednesday, I believe it came out. The 23rd. It was balance, balance changes. changes. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Okay. Um, everyone in the game kind of received this message. Um, so you can uh, check this out within the game in your inbox. Um, but what they were essentially doing was looking at um, two things while people were playing the game. They were looking at card use rates and win rates across all levels. Um, and they were kind of trying to see what cards were being played the most, which cards were playing, uh, being played the least, um, and seeing if they can get the cards that weren't being played a lot in the game and kind of tone down the cards that were being played the most, right? If it, did I kind of get that right? Yeah, and I think that makes sense, right? Like, I think Supercell is using the metric of how often things are being used, and if they're being used, how often are they winning? Right. And if you use that as a gauge, you can pretty easily tell if something is overpowered or if something's underpowered. You know, a lot of people might think that everybody uses the prince. So because everybody uses it, it must be overpowered. When in fact, maybe that's not the case. Now I'm just making up an example, but just trying to show that that's, you know, an easy way for them to identify that. No, it makes sense. And it sounds like um, the core of this particular balance update, which it might be for most of their balance updates, they're looking at offense over defense. Because these games are typically three minutes long, um, sometimes four, depending on if you go into overtime, um, it sounds like they really want it to be still a fast-paced game. So they don't want you sitting back behind towers. They want you running across the field. That is what it seems like. And you know, as we get into these, some of these changes, or as we highlight a few of them, um, that'll probably be pretty obvious when we go through it. Right. And I think um, there were a lot of changes, um, and most of them were to units that probably affect Arena 4 and down players, um, whereas the other half, I would say, maybe affect Arena 5 and up. So a lot of cards uh, Joe and I haven't even necessarily seen yet, um, so we're just going to kind of touch on them towards the end. I think what we're going to do... Um, is just focus on the ones that maybe are the most relevant to us, would you say? I agree. I mean, I read through this list the first day that it came out, and I was just like, this card exists? What is this? And I would just go look it up on YouTube to figure out what it is. No, definitely. I, I, I definitely. Um, so I think the first one up on the list is the X-Bow, um, and it looks like they decreased the range of this guy. So... I know that we don't normally get into numbers, um, but I think it's worth pointing out that the range of the expo was originally 13, um, and they decreased it by one. 13 to, what? Is that like tiles or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It see, it see, I think because I don't know if you can, I can't even remember if you can physically see the grid on the actual field, but I think that there's a certain amount of tiles that go across that make the length of the field. So this happens to be the range is 13 tiles. Got it. So, they so decreased, now it's 12. Right. They decreased it to 12. Cool. How do you feel about that? I like it. I mean, just by reading the description as to why um, they decided to decrease the range, I don't want to read this out loud from what they said, but I'm going to. Mm-hmm. A range reduction will mean that you can no longer position the Expo behind a Tesla as well as across the river and still hit your opponent's tower. So it seemed like they really put a lot of thought into this one. Right. I think what wound up happening was, you know, they created the Expo, they created the, the, te- the Tesla, but then people were using it in a way that they didn't necessarily intend on having it being used, mm-hmm. um, and they're reacting to that. So this kind of opens it up to a bit more counterplay, as they mentioned in their, um, in their rationale. No, that's a good point. And I think that um, I don't specifically use the Expo, um, 
So anything that tones this card down, I'm all for it. I'm with you. I don't use it. So anything, anything that makes it easier for me to kill it, I'm happy. Right. Um, and then the next one that we have is the, uh, speaking of the Tesla Tower, is the Tesla Tower. Yep. Um, and it looks like they um, decreased the hit speed of this guy and also decreased the lifetime of this tower. Yeah, and I think the cool thing about this is that they didn't necessarily decrease the damage, right? All they're doing is they're decreasing the speed. So it's still going to kill small minions very easily. Right. Where you will see this change impact the most is going to be on big units like the giant or, you know, the, the epic P.E.K.K.A. that you got last week. Right. Uh, it's not going to kill those as fast, so it's going to be less effective against them. And the next one is actually a card that you use quite often, Rob, isn't it? The, the I do. The, the cannon. The cannon, yeah. The cannon, yeah. So this one got, this one got a, a nice little nerf to it. Um, the lifetime on it was decreased um, by about 25%. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Rewind a little bit. What did you I just say? say? You said the word nerf. Okay. So I think that there's a, there are a handful of people on here that probably don't necessarily know what those gaming slang terms mean. Mm. Um, so uh, what, what would you say to a beginner that may not know what the term nerf means? I would say, so whenever you have units that kill other units or whatever, there's always a good chance that something is going to be more overpowered than another card or another unit or another building or whatever. Right. So Not the, all things are created equal. That's right. So the developers, they will uh, make changes to those units or buildings or whatever to make them less overpowered. Okay. Is that, is that kind of what you're looking for? No, I, I, uh, that was a perfect way to explain it. Um, I, it's uh, the way that I always think about it, and I'm not sure if this is official or not, but I always explain it like this. It's um, making it more like a Nerf ball. A Nerf ball. Softens it up. I right? like that. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good analogy, actually. Yeah. So, so it's not like a hard ball. It's like a softball. It's a softball. I like it. Yeah. So the next one is actually a card that you also use quite often. I do. And you know what? This one bothered me a lot at first. Um, but then I realized how useful this nerf was um, when I was playing on the defense of this unit. So what card was it? This was the prince. And what did they do? So they um, they actually decreased the charge speed of the prince. So, so how do, what do you mean? So for those of you that don't know or maybe don't have the prince yet, um, the prince, when you first deploy him onto the field, he has a specific speed that he will run. After a certain amount of time, I'm not sure exactly how long it takes, but eventually he will double his speed and charge across the field and his goal is to essentially aim and hit whatever is in front of him so that can as as the offensive player that most likely is the tower but if the defensive player drops down a unit it's going to hit the unit first whatever it hits first while it's in the state of charge it is going to deal double damage so essentially charge equals double damage correct so what did this change do so this actually decreased um, the charge speed. So essentially, if you're on the defense of a prince, um, it gives you more time to react to um, him being thrown down on the field before he actually uh, hits you. That's actually pretty cool, I think. Um, I find that if somebody drops the prince like right in the middle of the battlefield, mm -hmm. if, if they drop him on the right side, and then I drop any unit on the left side and my elixir's building now, Right. I don't have enough time to react. Because no, you're right. he starts charging, and then he immediately, by the time I blink, is at my tower. And oh, by the way, double damage, so now my tower's dead. Right. Um, so I actually, I don't mind this that much. I think it opens it up to a bit more counterplay. Now, do you use the prince? <laughs> no, but I think that this is why <laughs> I don't care about it that much. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm over here like, yes. And you're like, damn it. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Yep, that's it. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think the next one that we have on the list is your girl, the Valkyrie. The Valkyrie is my girl. So, so what happened to this girl? So they actually gave the Valkyrie an increase in both hit points and damage. So I think the main reason for this was because she wasn't really being used that often. 
Um, you know, she's one of those cards that you throw down and she, she kind of deals with all the little minions or little guys because she has area of effect damage. Right. Um, but with this buff, she's kind of like a tank or more tanky, but also she's deals more damage. So she's a little bit more of a threat. Right. And I, I, I used to use, um, the Valkyrie in my deck previous when I was at 1070, not saying that that's the reason why I was 1070. You're right. She, uh, she's actually an impressive tank. Um, and she does a lot of, uh, uh, damage when it comes to, um, taking out like the, the skeleton horde. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, Um, I, I think her use rates were really low, but I think you're going to wind up probably seeing her in more decks, um, moving forward after this increase. Right. No, I agree. Um, and then I think the next one that we have on the list is the, the good old giant. And they, um, they actually increased his damage, not by a lot, um, only by 5%. Um, but I guess, I guess the, the thought process was just making it so he has more damage as opposed to overall hit points. It doesn't make it so that he actually lasts on the field longer, but when he's actually doing that damage, it does more. Yeah, I like this change. I mean, it's not enough to make him overpowered, but it's enough to say, hey, we recognize that when the Giants played, he's not just soaking up damage. He can also help take out a tower, right? Right. So this kind of helps facilitate that a little bit. Right, especially since, I mean, at least I used to do this a lot. Um, uh, the Giant is actually a great um, defensive unit. Even though he can't necessarily attack other units, throwing him down in front of, let's say, your ranged units, like a, a Musketeer or an Archer, yep. Um He's absorbing all of that damage. Now, granted, they didn't give him more hit points, so it doesn't make him more of a defensive unit. But um, I, I do think that this makes it more compelling for defense and offense. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned earlier, that's kind of where they're going, right? Um, an offensive strategy. So you're probably going to see more of these increases in damage over increases in health. Right, I agree. Um, and the next one that we got on the list is the rage spell. Yeah. So Um, the the rage spell is pretty cool, right? So the way that the rage spell works, just high level is that you put this spell on the floor and whenever any of your units pass through it, they get increased attack speed, um, and increased moving movement speed. But so with this, what this change does is it increases the amount of movement speed and attack speed that your units get. But it decreases the amount of time that it lasts for. So it's like a quick smack in the face. Yeah, so that's exactly, that's a perfect way to put it, right? <laughs> so it's just like either get your damage in now or don't get it in at all. It gives, you kind, of a, it gives you kind of a less window. I'm sorry. I, I completely am listening to everything that you're saying. But as soon as I said <laughs> smack in the face, I just... Oh God! It's like a swift roundhouse kick to the face. That's, That's what exactly. It's like. What it's, it's, like. Like. it's like here. Here's a couple of units. Here's a couple of units. Here's a couple of units. Rage spell. Boom. Smack in the face. Damn. Boom. I hope you like my sound effects. No, I loved it. If you um, put me in like one of those like Asian karate movies, I could totally be the sound effects guy. Yo, you would do great in a Jackie Chan movie. I'd be like kapow, boom, smack. And the audio would be off just ever so slightly from the actual movements. Oh, it needs to be. It's like an old Batman film. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, uh, the yeah, no, I, I actually, um, I really like this, uh, this particular change. I actually like that, um, that now when you're using it, the person who uses it has to be more precise and calculated when they actually throw this card down. So even though it's going to do more damage, um, they have to be really careful with where they actually place it and at what point in the game they actually use it. Completely agree. Um, and the next one, since we're on the, um, the spell pattern, this one is going to be poison. Poison. Right. I think they got a damage increase, this guy. They did. And actually, you know what? I saw the poison spell for the first time this week. Really? Yep. It's the first time I ever saw it. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, wait a second. There's like weird little bubble things coming up from the ground. I'm like, my units are like dying as they walk through. Oh, that's the poison spell. Wait, so are you in Spell Valley? Right now? Yeah. Yeah. Because that is when it gets unlocked. So that makes sense because you weren't there previously. So now you're 
you're there. No, right, because I'm just under 1,500. Right, so now you're there, and you are now experiencing what I've experienced for, I guess, the past week. Um, I hate the poison spell. Okay, why? I don't have it. I'm not, like I said, I only saw it once, so I'm not super familiar with it. So, so the way that it works, right, is that whoever's using it puts it down on the floor wherever they want, and then it basically erodes the floor underneath it. So, like, you mm-hmm. see those bubbling things come up. Right. Um, and every second, it ticks for damage, a certain amount of damage. So, okay. in other games, you can think of it like a damage over time effect. Okay. Do um, you know, does, it, does the damage increase as the time keeps going, or is it constant throughout? I believe it's constant throughout. It just says, like, at level one, it says damage per second, 42. Okay, so it, it, that sounds constant, yeah. Yeah. So the, the annoying thing about this is that I use, like, the skeleton army and mm-hmm. also the witch. Okay. Both of those. Oh, and I also use the barbarians. So okay. if you think about it, all three of those cards have lots of units with not necessarily the most hit points, right? Mm-hmm. This card destroys me if it's placed in the right spot. So I hate the fact that it's in the game. I hate the fact that it got a damage buff. And this is one of the worst um, balance changes that impacts me. Why don't you tell us how you really feel, Joe? I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Bro, you sound mad. I'm, I'm just saying. Okay. There's certain things that right. just get me the wrong way. Right. This is, this Yo, is I, have a, I, actually, I actually have a question for you. Do you <laughs> Yo, know, does this spell specifically affect all types of units or it's only ground or it's both air and ground? Ooh. It says... I really don't expect you to know that. I'm just asking. I'm going to read the tooltip. Please And you can tell me. I'm ready. Covers the target area in a sticky toxin, damaging and slowing down troops and buildings. Remember, solvent abuse can kill. That's really what it says. That's a little witty. Yeah. That's really what it says. It's a pretty witty comment at the end there, yeah. Oh, say that one more time. Don't forget, solvents can kill. Solvents can kill. Oh. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Nice. Yep. I hope, I hope that that sums it up. No, it does, I think. Um, so the next one that we have is the good old archers. Um, something that I actually used to use a lot when I first started. Then I stopped using it for a while. And then I recently just threw them back in my deck because I was using goblins for a little bit, even though I said that I hate them. I decided uh, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, I actually took my spear goblins out and brought my two archers back in, A, because of this change, and B, because even though you get two archers instead of, you know, compared to three spear goblins, the overall health and the overall damage that is done is greater in both aspects than the goblins, and it's only one elixir more expensive. So what did this change really do? So this makes it so that the initial attack that these guys do is faster. So it's more comparable to a spear goblin. So like I said, they made it so it's more like the card that I was originally using the spear goblins, except you're getting two of them instead of three. And the archers have 200 health, I think, as opposed to like the spear goblins, which have like 68 health, I want to say. So I think with this one, they actually, um, they noticed that kind of like my scenario is they got quick play time right in the beginning when you first start playing the game and then it dropped off significantly right after the beginning of the game like once you got past maybe training or arena two it they rarely ever saw play so i think this move is to kind of bring them more in line with the spear goblins so that you will see them more in the competitive arena and i also think it's a good thing to point out that they just got a quicker initial attack right they didn't their their attack speed didn't get increased it's just the first time that they shoot their arrow it happens faster right um and yeah rob like you said i i, I think i had the same experience with them I, I i started using them a lot in the beginning mm-hmm. and then they kind of fell off for me um but you know what is funny if you look at like the tv royale feeds with mm-hmm. all the replays right um of like the top people yeah i see them in that deck quite often so at the higher levels, you're seeing them more. Yeah, and I don't know what the reason for that is, but they use yeah, them often. Know. Like, I don't know if that's because I'm using them incorrectly um, or if they're designed in such a way. I'm not sure. Okay, yeah. I mean, um, to me, when we're talking about it, I just picture like an inverted bell curve where it's kind of like high in the beginning. It dips down real low for a little while towards the middle levels, and then sure. it just kind of shoots back up towards the higher levels. Yeah, that, that, that is what it seems like it's being used for. 
So I think the next one that we have on the list is one that makes us both kind of angry. Pretty upset most games. Because this one, uh, neither of us have this card. Nope. Right? But we see it used all the time. um, And it's like getting pummeled by a truck every time we have it played against us. So this card is the balloon. Um, And they increase the hit points. Now... Granted, it wasn't a lot, similar to other um, of the balance changes. It was 5%. Maybe this is just me. I think that the balloon was already overpowered, like, by a lot. And in terms of damage, it was just ridiculous for me. Yeah, and I think you'll notice that the increase that they gave of 5% was not on damage, but it was on hit points. So if they would have done damage, I think I would have thrown my phone across the room. Because (laughs) it... If, if this thing drops, like, three bombs on your tower, mm-hmm. your tower's dead. No, it's, it's gone. Um, so I guess the whole point of this um, buff was to allow the balloon to stay on the battlefield for a longer period of time, um, which, as you mentioned, I don't think it needed to happen anyway. And then um, I think the, the last one that mainly concerns, uh, what did we say, Arena 4 and down? Yep. Um, is a card that I hope you still play. I love this card. And if, if not, you will be. It is the same card as last week, my only level one, and it is my lonely level one witch. So she got a damage increase. Again, just like other cards, it is 5%. Um, and just two things that I wanted to point out about this. The damage increase does not impact the skeletons that she kind of raises from the ground. Okay. So yeah, those remain the same. I was actually wondering this when I was looking at um, the release notes for this balance change. Yeah. I didn't know if it was going to change the skeletons or not. Yeah, so the skeletons remain the same. So if your skeletons were level 6 and whatever and they did X amount of damage, that didn't change. Okay. This only impacts her damage. The other thing is that 5% doesn't necessarily seem like a lot. But her attack speed is very fast. So over time, this 5% might really add up if she stays on the battlefield. No, I completely agree. I, like I said, I, I, don't, I don't have this card. I'm still really jealous that you, A, got the baby dragon um, and the witch. Baby dragon. Yep. So I, uh, I'm excited for you that you get to use it. Thank you, sir. Um, but uh, I think that overall, these, uh, this particular change is... Uh, going to make her a lot more effective considering all the things that you just mentioned. Completely agree. Um, so real quick, let's just kind of um, sum up the other cards that uh, probably affect um, above Arena 4. That's how, that's how I'll kind of cut it. Um, so we have the Princess, which I didn't, again, I didn't even know was a card. Um, it had a decrease in hit points. Um, then we had the Ice Wizard. Um, who had an increase in damage. Um, and then we had uh, the Dark Prince. That sounds super exciting. I didn't even know that there was a Dark Prince. Um, his charge speed was also decreased, so very similar to the regular Prince. Then we also had the Royal Giant, um, which had... Oh, Joe, did you know this? It had a damage increase by 20%. This seemed like the most significant change that they made. Um, I've never seen the Royal Giant. I've never actually seen him used or uh, in a game or even if you, like I mentioned before, those feeds of mm-hmm. replays. I've never seen him in any of those upper tier decks. So apparently when I a, saw apparently this... Apparently he has a big beard. He's got a... What? Apparently he has a big beard. How do you know that? I, I've seen the, the card art. You've seen his beard? Yo, I've seen his beard. Uh oh, <laughs> pretty cool. But in any case, his beard got a twenty percent increase. <laughs> so, as the tooltip says, now he can become a wrecking ball. All right, um, and then we also had ooh uh, the mirror card. Um, this one, this one's actually a little bit more complicated than any other card that we're probably going to talk about, um, at least this episode. Joe, do you want to actually explain this card? Because I've only seen it used a couple times, and I don't necessarily know exactly the nuances to it, other than that it copies a card. Sure. So the mirror card gets unlocked at Spell Valley, I believe, 
And the way that it works is uh, it's the only way that you can drop like two of the same unit one after another. Mm -hmm. So if you drop, for example, a musketeer, Mm -hmm. if you have the mirror card as one of your next four, you drop the mirror card and it will drop another version of the musketeer. Right. So you can essentially have two Pekkas if you want or two whatever you name the card. That's a pretty serious card. It's a pretty serious card. And actually, the reason that I know this is because one of our clan members in Cast Royale Clan just recently got this card. Cowboy Coffee! Cowboy Coffee! Yeah, buddy! Shout out to our first podcast listener to join the Cast Royale Clan. Yes. Welcome to the clan and welcome everyone else who also joined the clan in the, uh, in the midst of uh, us launching the podcast. Um, your strategies have been greatly appreciated and we love playing this game with you. Boom. But what did they change about this card? Oh, so (laughs) (laughs) forgot about that. So (laughs) this change actually only impacted legendary mirrors. So if you use the mirror on a legendary card, that legendary is now one level lower. So it's not going to necessarily be an exact copy. So if so, what you're saying is, let's use your example. Even though the musketeer is not a legendary card, if we took a legendary musketeer that's level six and you threw that out, and then you threw out the mirror card, the mirrored version is going to be legendary level five. I believe that is correct. Okay, that's pretty cool. Again, I don't really, I never, I've never used this card, but that sounds pretty cool. Um, so then the last. Uh, I think it's the last one. Yeah, the last the last one that we have is the uh, very cleverly named Three Musketeers. Um, which I wonder got, how they came up with that name. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, they had a cost decrease, um, which I, I didn't even know that there was a card that cost this much, but apparently this card originally cost 10 elixir. That's ridiculous. 10, yeah, 10. So Imagine lit- dropping a card and then having to wait like, 10 seconds to do anything else let me ask you something what happens when you do that and someone just goes oh arrows boom i mean if the arrows kill them i don't know how much health like a like a, a high level musketeer has yeah me but neither. if they ever did die and you just dropped 10 mana or whatever 10 elixir you essentially lose the game so the biggest deal about this is that they dropped it from 10 to nine mm. so it gives you i guess it gives you a little bit more flexibility that's huge i don't really know huge. how much of a difference that makes but uh, they're I, gonna I need a bigger beard definitely need a bigger beard <laughs> um all right so i think that pretty much wraps it up for um that lengthy news but i think it was uh pretty important that we went into some of those changes if not all of those changes um, I know that we said that we wanted to go into uh, kind of from the ground up some of the basics behind um, uh, some of the card types, um, chests, and if we have some time, maybe some of the towers. Sure. All right. Um, so as of right now, uh, within the game, there are currently 48 cards available. Um, and I think, as I mentioned last week, that was the biggest thing for me when I first started playing. It's not like Hearthstone where, I don't know, how, how many cards would you say Hearthstone probably has? At, at, at least a couple hundred, right? Too many. Yeah, no. Way too many to actually memorize um, to the point where when you play, you need to play for a long time or really siphon through that game um, to become really familiar with these cards. Um, in this game, there are only almost 50, so it really doesn't take that long. Um, the nice thing is that the higher you get, even if you don't unlock or um, see them, or um, even if you don't unlock or own them, you can um, kind of see some of the cards that you may not have received. So you can poke around, and obviously there's a lot of resources online that you can look them up, but it doesn't take a lot of effort to learn all these cards, correct? Yeah, and I, I think that's the coolest thing, right? You can play for like a week or two weeks pretty casually and get maybe half of the cards without even trying. Um, so many, it just, do, you, do you know how many cards you have right now? Uh, so I think last week during our episode, I had 30 cards. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at a whomping 32. Oh, guess what? Those two were the wizard and the mortar. Yo, you got the wizard. And the mortar. 
I don't wait, use the mortar, but the wait, wizard's sick. Wait a second. A, you got the wizard. I got the wizard. I got the wizard too. When? Today. Congratulations. Yeah, so we are wizard brothers now. We're wizards. And B, what is the mortar? The mortar. So do I have that? I don't know. Have, have you ever played Clash of Clans? Yes, but not uh, at a capacity that anyone would consider serious. So the mortar is basically like this big, imagine the cannon, right? Mm -hmm. But it's actually pointed straight up in the air. Okay. And every second or two, it'll shoot straight up in the air, this like big boulder Mm -hmm. or cannonball, obviously. And it just shoots from afar. Um, The problem. So so it sounds kind of like the rocket. No, not. No. What do you mean? You know, what the, rocket? The rocket spell. It's nothing like the rocket spell. It's it's a car. It's a building. Oh, right. Okay. Keep going. So the only problem with this is that it only attacks far. If things get close to it, mm-hmm. it, it can't shoot close to it. So it's oh. very vulnerable to those little guys. So I haven't figured out a way to incorporate that into my deck yet. So I am not using it. Sounds like a big limitation. It is a big limitation, but the fact that it attacks from so far away is mm-hmm. also a huge advantage. So um, I think they do that to kind of balance it out. I'm assuming it does a lot of damage, though. Um, let me check. The damage on a level one mortar is 120. So if you upgrade this a couple times, it can pretty quickly get up to around 200, I guess. That's pretty good. Yeah. If you can figure out how to use it. That's not as serious as the bomb that comes out of the skeleton's butt when he dies. I hate that bomb. That bomb is like... I think I hate every card that I don't use. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. Good. Um, the, uh, the bomb that uh, lands on the field when the giant skeleton dies, I think does somewhere between like six and 700, and that's before you even upgrade him. Yeah, I mean, that, it's, it's a very simple way if you're overwhelmed with a lot of units around you and you drop that guy, you don't have to worry about it. It's essentially a free, a free clear. Right. No, I, I, I completely agree. Um, so um, I think the, the, the biggest thing that we wanted to point out, um, you know, with saying that there were almost 50 cards, it's easy to really get into it um, and to really pay attention to uh, what is involved with each card and to learn them. Right. So um out of those 48 or so cards, um, there are three card types specifically, right? So you have a troop card, you have a spell card, and you have a building card. Now, troop cards um, are your units, right? So when you throw out a troop card, you're throwing out cards like what? Baby Dragon. Baby Dragon. Witch. Witch. Valkyrie. I'm naming all cards that you like. Um, Wait, you forgot one. Hog Rider! <laughs> I love that card. And I do. Every time that I, every single time that I, that I think about saying that name, Wait, the words just, just come out like that. Just do it again. Okay. Hog Rider! So I think, good. like, that's literally what he says when he comes out. And it's just like, even if he dies immediately, he just made my day. All because of that battle cry. Boom. Um, so the next, uh, card type is the, uh, the spell cards, spell cards. That's right. The spell cards are pretty cool. And I think just to give some examples of spell cards, you have the arrows. I think most people have the arrows pretty early on. Um, the fireball, the stupid poison that we spoke about before. Yeah. Um, and some others. Right. And I think the cool thing about the spell cards and what differentiates them from other types of cards Mm -hmm. is that. They are the only cards that can be used on the opponent's side of the map or essentially anywhere on the map um, before you take out any of their towers. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. What? Dude, please don't make fun of me, but as soon as you said that, that literally just clicked for me now that that's exactly what a spell card does. I didn't even put it together. That you could put, that the reason why a spell card is a spell card is because you could put it anywhere on the map. Yeah, dude, that's what the point of it is. 
I feel like such an idiot right now. No, I just thought I just thought that a spell card just meant that it's like an intangible thing that's not a unit and it's not a building. Yeah. So if you, so let me ask you a question. If Go. somebody were to drop the minion horde, the thing that like the the ten little guys that fly across the map at you, and you have the arrows, do you like wait for them to get to your tower before you shoot arrows at them? Nope, I guess you're right. And like I said, my brain was just not thinking of that appropriately. <laughs> and it just, I don't know. I just literally had a brain fart. Well, that's what I'm here for. I Thank remind you of simple things. Thank you for that epiphany. So spell cards. They're... Wait, so what about the, what are, what are they called? The, um, the goblin barrel? What about them? They're a spell. Is that a question? Yes. Or? I'm asking yeah. because they're technically units. Well, can you use it on the opponent's side of the map before you kill one of their towers? Yes. Then it's a spell. I need to go into the game and check if <laughs> Supercell categorizes this card as a spell. It's a spell! Oh, Joe, blowing my mind. So yeah, that, so that's the spell card. So. You can throw the goblins across the map, and they will attack the tower um, without having to kill the tower. Right, and then um, uh, just so we could wrap this part up, um, the last card type is the building type, right? So from what I've noticed, buildings seem to be not the only cards that are really expensive, but most of the buildings seem to cost a lot. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I think the one that really comes to mind for me is the Barbarian Hut, mm -hmm. um, where you drop that thing down. I think it's like seven elixir. Yeah, I think it's seven. And every so often, it throws out like two Barbarians that run across the map, and they're just like, hoorah! Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they might cost a lot, but I guess the benefit is that they um, spawn units over time. So you spend, them, you spend the elixir now, but you have the benefit later. Right. No, that makes sense. And I mean, right now I currently have, um, I actually have two buildings in my new deck that I've been using for the past week. Um, one that you mentioned before, which was the cannon. Um, and then the other one that I actually use, which I don't even know if you've ever played with this card yet. Um, this one's the tombstone. Mm, no, I've not. So the tombstone's actually one of those cards that have you seen it before? I have, but I haven't, I haven't used it. Okay. So the tombstone for anyone that doesn't know is one of the, um, one of the cheaper of the building cards. Um, it only costs three elixir. It's really um, cheap. Yep. And one of the biggest things that makes, uh, this card unique, um, as opposed to other building cards is when you, de uh, when this building dies for whatever reason, when it's, uh, shelf life has ended, um, it actually spawns um, four skeletons. So when the building disappears, you actually get extra things on the field, which even though the skeletons don't necessarily do a lot of damage, um, they do help in kind of building a horde and uh, really starting to get traction with making an army. Um, the reason why I use this card a lot um, is because what I try and do strategy-wise is I take this building and I'll kind of tuck it behind one of the towers um, and it periodically will spit out a little skeleton. Um, and what will happen is, I, I guess the best way to describe it is it will, it, it kind of acts like a line of ants, right? So it spits out those skeletons and they just kind of like march down one lane of the field. So what I'll do is I'll tuck it behind one of my towers. And then what this does is let's say, for example, someone like, uh, let's say, Joe, you drop, um, uh, you know, the, the newly balanced Prince card. Yep. Right. So as soon as that card gets dropped and maybe it builds up enough uh, uh, time to go through its charge, um, what's it going to wind up hitting? A little skeleton. It's going to hit the skeleton. So it's going to waste its double damage on those skeletons. And then while that's happening, I could then uh, build up enough elixir to drop down my other units, which is great. So I use this mainly as a defensive thing because the skeletons, let's face it, they're not that strong at all. Yeah, it seems like they're more distracting than anything else. But I guess the building cards, I guess there's two types of building cards, right? There are building cards that generate troops, mm -hmm. um, but then there's also building cards that are just like defense buildings, like the cannon that we mentioned before, the mortar, 
Um, there's the expo that we also mentioned and some others. Right. And I, I, I mean, in my brain specifically, I, even though they're buildings, I look at them more like towers. The, the, like the Tesla, the Canon. Oh. Those are the things to me in my brain that kind of put the tower defense mechanism into this game. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really cool way to look at it actually. Yeah, so um, that actually pretty much does it for the uh, actual card types that are in the game. So there's those three, right? Uh, quick roundup. Troop cards, spell cards, building cards. Right. Um, the thing about the all of the cards that are in the game, there are actually four levels of rarity when it comes to the cards that you can get, right? So we have common, which is the first level of card. Then the second level of card would be rare. Then you have epic. Then you have legendary, right? So, um, how can you tell the difference between them? Um, common cards, I think are signified by a blue kind of glow around them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, rare, um, has an orange kind of glow to it. Epic is purple. Um, and legendary legendary is actually a, 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 a pretty special one because the legendary card is the only card that is, uh, a different shape than the other cards. Right. The the other three that I mentioned are all card shaped. They're all rectangular. This card is shaped more like a diamond. You know what I would call that, Rob? What? I would call that legendary. You see what I did there? I legendary. See it. Yep. Was that like silent laughter over there? Yes. So you barely got my joke. I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> One last thing before we actually move on to the next uh, topic. I think, um, I don't know if everybody noticed this, um, but every card um, upgrades the same way. Not necessarily that they cost the same because a common card upgrade is going to cost less than a rare card upgrade and so forth for Epic and Legendary. But I think it's important to note that when you first upgrade a card, you're only required to have two of the same card to upgrade it. And then the next upgrade would be four. Then the next upgrade would be 10, then 20 cards, then 50 cards, then 100, 200, and upwards from there. Yeah, that's a really good thing to point out, Rob. And I think the other thing that I didn't realize at first, but um, I, I guess I quickly realized once I figured it out, mm. when you upgrade, so say you, say you have a level one wizard, mm -hmm. right? If you get two of them and then you upgrade them, right. you don't keep, you don't still have two wizard cards. It, right. it kind of kind of like merges them into one and then you're left starting from scratch again right I, I that's a that's probably the best way to put it it merges all the cards into one card to kind of start over again for the next tier of upgrade right exactly yep. okay um so i know you said you wanted to talk a little bit about um the chests those infamous chests in this game with uh those freaking timers love those timers god <sighs> give us the basics so there are actually eight different types of chests in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, the first two that we'll cover are the ones that are on a, the ones that are on a rotation basis. They basically okay. come up every so often. Okay. Um, so there are free chests, which they become available every four hours. Mm -hmm. um, the cool thing about those is that you can basically hold two of them at any given time. So if you don't play for four hours, you'll get one. If you don't play for eight hours, you'll have two. Um, but if you don't play for 12 hours, you'll still have two and you'll miss one, right? Okay. Um, and you don't have to do anything. You can just open your game up and collect it and open up some cards, which is pretty cool. Right. So I guess for something like this, this would be something that you'd want to check into the game at the minimum every four hours? Every four, I guess eight, if okay. you didn't have time throughout the day. but. You don't want to go until 12 hours because then you're missing out. On I guess it's stuff. kind of a waste at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one is called the crown chest. And this one's actually pretty cool. It becomes available once every 24 hours. Mm -hmm. um, but once it becomes available, you can't just open it. Uh, instead, you have to battle people and destroy their towers in order to get crowns, which you have to get 10 of those in order to open the chest. So the very minimum, if you uh, win with, a th with three crowns every game, you need to play four games. A minimum of four if you three crown win all four games. Right. So, and for, I mean, I'm sure most people know this, but just in case, every time you kill a tower, you get one crown. So if you kill two towers, you get two crowns. And if you kill all three, 
obviously you'd get three crowns. That's right. What's so special about this chest compared to the, the free chest that you get? So even though it's on a rotation, the, the cards within it are better and you also get more of them. So it's like a better reward instead of this, like this free reward that they hand out to you. You actually have to do a little bit more for it. So obviously the rewards are better. Right. And I actually, um, I don't know about you, but I actually like opening up these chests a little bit more than almost all the other chests. Cool. So the next chest is the training chest. Um, Rob, I think this is probably your favorite chest. This one is because this is the only chest that doesn't really have a super long timer as opposed to the basic chests that have a three hour timer, right? So the training chests are the only chest that take 15 seconds to unlock. So when you're going through your initial um, training arena, you pretty much get chest after chest after chest. So it's, it's kind of exciting, especially for like the new player. Yeah, because you don't have to sit there and wait. And but, but boy, do I tell you, when I first p- started playing and I saw that these were like 15 seconds to open, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Got your How hopes bad up, could though. this be? Yeah, got your hopes and up. And then I finished the training tutorial and then I won my first match and I tried opening the chest and it was like three hours. Quick smack in the face. What? Yep. So we did mention in the last episode that we would try to be positive. And I think you've seen a little bit of my, uh, little bit of my complaining today. Three hours for like the most basic type of chest, I think is pretty, pretty ridiculous. No, I completely agree. And like I said, I, I, I feel like I've grown to kind of deal with them um, mentally in my head. Um, and I think it's important for us to point out that Joe and I have not um, spent any money in this game. Um, not that we have anything against people that do. If, if you do, more power to you. But um, I think for us... The goal while playing this game is to try and see how far we can get and how well we can do without actually having to put down any green for it. Yeah, I completely agree. I I think, like I said, I've spent money on games before. Oh, Um, me too. But I I just really wanted to kind of see how far I could get being as casual as I possibly could be. Yeah, and I don't don't think that there's there's anything wrong with that. And that's why I just wanted to be upfront about it. Um, Trust us, if that changes, we're going to talk about it here. Agreed. So cool. I think um, the next five chests, I'm just going to kind of gloss over. Go ahead. Um, You've got silver, then gold, then giant, magical, and then super magic. Super magic. Super magic. So the, the cool thing about these is that they obviously, from lowest to highest, they go in order of how many cards you get and mm-hmm. how good the cards are. Right. Um, one thing that we will point out is if you do want to spend money on the game or if you do want to buy gems and use gems to open chests, Mm -hmm. if you swipe all the way to the left, when you're in the game, you wind up getting to the shop and the giant chest, magical chest and super magical chest can actually be purchased for gems. If you wanted to buy them to get cards quicker. Right. Um, the cool thing is that the super magical chest is a 1 in 1,000 chance to drop in any game that you win. Oh, I, the, did, I didn't know that. While the, yeah, so it's pretty cool. While the other chests are kind of on a rotational basis. And one other cool thing is that when you get a chest, it has like a title in it, right? So mm-hmm. if you get a silver chest, it'll say arena whatever, five. The chests kind of scale to the arena that you're in. The higher the arena, the better the cards or the more the cards that you get. Whereas if you're in a lower arena, it's going to give you less cards or less gold, etc. Right. So what you're saying is, so now that I'm in arena five, right? Spell Valley. Yep. I will, when I get chests for that arena, my chests will be level five as well. You will have a level five chest. Was that it for the chest? Those that we covered them all, right? Yeah. I think the only other thing is that you can get legendary cards. I haven't yet, but Mm -hmm. from any any chest. You don't need like the best chest in order to get legendary cards out of it. Um, but obviously it's just a really low rate. Right. So you, but so you can get a legendary card from a free chest. Essentially you can. That's amazing. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So I think the last thing that we wanted to talk about, um, uh, today were the, uh, the towers that are on the field, right? Agreed. Okay. So as of right now, um, the, there, even though there are multiple, um, themes for arenas, 
all of the arenas kind of act the same way, right? There's like a divide in the middle of the board, and then there are two arena towers on your side and your opponent's side, and then also one king tower in the middle. Right. And one thing that I noticed about the arena towers, they're like the two towers in front of the king, right? Mm -hmm. They have the same amount of health as each other, um, but they both have less health than the king tower. Um, but they do slightly more damage than the king tower, which is kind of interesting. Um, do they? So, yeah, they, they do more damage than the king tower does, but they have less health. Interesting. And, you know, I didn't really understand that at first, and I'm, I, I'm not sure if I still quite understand it, but if I try and rationalize it, the reason why they would do that is because the archer towers or arena towers, whatever they're called, um, they're the ones that are, for the majority of the game, are going to be clearing units, right? They're helping you stay alive. Right. Whereas once you get past that, mm. their goal is to kill the king tower. Right. So the king tower has less damage, but he has significantly more health. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I guess that makes, um, that makes sense. I just, I never even really realized that the, uh, that the arena towers would be doing more damage than your mighty old king tower. But they do have significantly less health. No, so that's they're much true. easier to kill. That's true. Um, and one thing that's probably worth pointing out is that um, the experience that you get within the game, right, determines the level that you are as a player. Um, as of right now, the only way to gain experience, from what I've noticed, is to either A, donate cards while you're in a clan. Mm -hmm. um, so join our clan. Um, and the other way would be to uh, upgrade your existing cards, correct? Yep. Right. So. As your experience gets higher, so do the hit points of your towers. Hit points and damage. So both hit points and damage go up. Yep. Cool. And Rob, as you pointed out before, um, by killing these towers, mm -hmm. or if your opponent kills your towers, um, you or they will get crowns, which you, know, you use to open up the crown chest. Right. Is there anything else that we wanted to say about these? No, I think that's it. Um, I think that we covered... Um, oh, oh, one thing that I did want to point out is that all towers receive 60% less damage from spells. So if you have a fireball that does 100 damage to a unit, that same spell will only do 40 damage to a tower. So if you're trying to calculate how much damage you need to kill your opponent's tower, and you're using a spell... Mm, just keep that in mind. It screwed me over a couple times. No, that's a, that's a, that's actually a really good point. And don't um don't most of the spells um they have like a little uh, graphic in their info section that kind of shows you how much damage it actually does, and then it shows you like it kind of it kind of looks like a, a a red and yellow tower, and it's it it's kind of signifying that there that's the damage that it would do to the arena or king tower. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, like it'll say. Area damage on one side, mm -hmm. and then crown crown tower damage on the other side. Right, and you'll see it is significantly less. See, so you could even look that up if you really wanted to. So, if you have any spells in your deck, make sure you pay attention to that specific number because um, if you're trying to use that as the uh, end all kill shot, you want to make sure that it's actually going to do the job. Very, very good idea. <laughs> so, uh, was there anything else we wanted to say? Do we want to kind of uh, wrap it up? Yeah, I think we've covered everything that we wanted to cover on this episode. Cool. Episode number two, but official one. Right. Uh, technically 001. 001. Because hopefully we'll make it to at least 100 episodes. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a long that's shot. A far, yeah, yeah, we gave ourselves a, a good stretch goal. That's right. Yeah. Shoot um, for the star. What's that saying? If you shoot for the star, even if you miss, you'll land on the moon. That's Boom. it. That's how we live. Landing on the moon. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's all we have. Um, again, please be sure to join our clan. We would love to, uh, share tips and tricks with you. Um, if you do want to join, um, please be sure to use the word podcast in your invitation. Um, just so that we know you came from here. And we'd really love to hear your feedback. Um, if you have any questions, comments, things you like or dislike about the game or things that you just want us to cover, feel free to email us at castroyale at iCloud.com. Also, be sure to check us out on Twitter using the handle at Podcast Royale. Rob, we did just want to give a quick shout out to Sam Hahn, who is a League of Legends podcast announcer. Um, 
he actually hosts a show. He actually hosts a podcast called League of Legends Anonymous. So be sure to check them out. And also in our show notes, we have a new link to a new blog that we have. So be sure to check that yes, out as well. Definitely check that out. Um, and be sure to uh, tune in next week. Um, Joe and I are going to be starting the um, uh, the first part of our arena roundup where we go through each of the arenas um, and talk about some of the cards that you get within that arena um, and kind of share the tips, tricks, strategies um, and go into the nitty gritty of each card that is involved with that arena. Until then, see you next week. Bye. Bye.